Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Tuesday, December the 24th. Thanks so much for tuning in here. Got a good show lined up here for today. I will be speaking with the CAO of the Village of Chase. Throughout the last couple of weeks, we here at Radio NL have been doing some sort of look backs at 2019 with area mayors and administrators, as well as some look aheads to 2020. And I'll be joined by Joni Heinrich in a little bit to continue that series. In the back half of the show, I'll be speaking with the president of the BC Truckers Association. Dave Earl and I will discuss how effective new chain-up regulations have been so far this winter. And we'll also look at, uh, you know, how how well crews did when it comes to cleaning up the highway after last week's snowstorm. Yeah, it was a record snowfall in some areas, and it sounds like the uh, maintenance crews did a pretty swift job of cleaning things up, but I'll uh, speak with Dave Earl about that in just a little bit. And to end off the show today, I will be joined by Susie Reeder from BC Hydro. She's going to help provide a few tips on how to save energy when welcoming people into your home tomorrow. But to begin today's show, I thought we could talk a little bit about being lest wasteful. As mentioned, it is Christmas Eve, and that means, of course, the fat man in the red suit will be visiting your home tonight. And when looking at the holiday season, of course, can be a bit of a wasteful one. Here now to talk about just how wasteful we can be and what we can do to be a little bit more conscious of the waste we produce is a Best Green Business Award winner, a waste reduction advocate, and a board member of Zero Waste Canada, Barb Hetherington. Barb, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you, and Merry Christmas to everyone. To you as well. Everyone, I'm sure, is saying the same thing into the radio at the same time. So uh, thank you so much for that. Um, <laughs> Everyone's being frantic right now. Right? <laughs> totally, right? They got to get all their last-minute stuff done before tomorrow. So uh, with that being said, there's probably not a ton that we can do here to sort of help people uh, when, the, when they're thinking about the Christmas season and sort of what they can do to, to save and be a little less wasteful. But it doesn't mean that it's not a good message to get out there. And, of course, when they are getting together with friends and family tomorrow, there might be a, a little bit more evidence of all the waste that we produce on a day like Christmas. So I wanted to just sort of start uh, by getting sort of a general sense of how wasteful, uh, you know, we can be as Canadians uh, on a day like Christmas. What can you at Zero Waste Canada sort of tell us about just, um, you know, how how much we produce in terms of waste on a day like Christmas? Well, well certainly over the holiday season, which... It is from sort of late November to to January first. We're we're often increasing the amount of waste that household waste by twenty five percent. That's a lot of waste yeah. that that we're creating. And another um, item is that that I was just reading that in United States, and it's probably very similar to with Canada is that over $15 billion is spent on unwanted gifts. Yeah, that, uh, you know, as much as that number is huge, it's honestly not that surprising to me, right? Because we, we all feel like, uh, you know, if we're going to visit people, we have to bring them something. We have to take something, yeah. Right? So it's better to get them something they don't want than nothing at all, right? And maybe that's not necessarily the best attitude, especially when we're talking about waste. Um, so that that's one big contributor, like you had mentioned, to the amount of waste we produce, $15 billion in unwanted presents. Uh, so that's 
consumerism that we don't need to do. It's money we could save in our pockets, but also stuff we can prevent from going to the landfill. Uh, what are some of the other big contributors? Food waste is a really big contributor this time of year because, of course, we're into celebrating and feasting and often we overbuy we serve too much food we we're not using our leftovers um, and we're throwing out a lot of food that could have been consumed yeah that's uh Definitely an issue for sure. And and wrapping paper, I know, is something that a lot of organizations are trying to sort of uh, move people away from to, say, use things like, you know, newspaper or something that could potentially be recycled. Do you have any idea off the top of your head just, like, how wasteful we are when it comes to that uh, decorative wrapping that we, we use? Well, across Canada, um, one of the figures that, that we have, and this is for across Canada, that there is, like, over 500 thousand tons of waste that's generated from gift wrapping and shopping bags each year. It's a lot. So so that's a lot. And we're very lucky in BC because a good portion of our uh, wrapping paper can be recycled. But in other areas of Canada, there's no recycling. And certainly um, wrapping paper is becoming more complex it's glittery it's got plastic on it so it can't be recycled some of the stuff so it is better to use something that's reusable obviously because if you think about how long that uh, gift wrap lasts on a a present basically it's a a single-use product that we're consuming for Mm -hmm. christmas So, I mean, we've talked a little bit here about some of the ways we are more wasteful, whether it be buying unwanted gifts, that increase in decorative wrapping, you know, the food waste that we produce. What are some tips and tricks that Zero Waste Canada has to sort of reduce our footprint when it comes to how much waste we are producing? Is there anything that maybe people don't already think of off the top of their head that you're like, this is a a really simple way to go about, um, you know, creating less waste? Keep it simple, Santa. So let's start simplifying Christmas because we're getting more and more elaborate each year. Um, Know your local recycling rules. So again, we're very lucky in BC. We've got, you know, some incredible programs for, for recycling, but a lot of times people don't really know what they can recycle. So know the rules. One of the issues this time of year is that there's very heavy contamination with recycling. People throw everything in. And what I would suggest, and people still have time to do this, is create a recycling waste management system for yourself for the next couple of days. So resist that urge to have just the garbage bag in the living room or by the Christmas tree when people are opening their their gifts to actually have a system where where you're you're sorting so you've got your reusables you've got things that can be recycled so you're not getting into this big purge big pile of, of mess that is just being clean, cleaned out you know, I, th- I think that's sort of a, a, a really important thing for, for people to do, that they have a responsibility to manage what comes into their house. 
Do you think that, uh, you know, I mean, we, we are a society now that seems to be switching to being more environmentally conscious. I mean, we talk about it a lot more publicly and here in the media and things like that. Um, and, and, you know, we look at a, a holiday like Christmas. It's very consumer driven. It's uh, very materialistic at times. And, um, you know, like you had mentioned, the need to buy people a gift that we maybe don't necessarily want or, or that they don't necessarily want to receive. And they have it. Uh, one of the stats I was looking at in, in one of the papers, uh, Zero Waste Canada had reported was uh, within six months, only 1% of everything the average person buys is still in use, and the other 99% has been discarded. I mean, that's a pretty staggering figure. Um, I'm just curious if you think that, uh, you know, we're, we're mindfully shifting to being more environmentally conscious on a day like this, and uh, if, if you think that we'll see some significant changes in, in the way we approach the holidays in the future. Do you think that, uh, you know, we here in BC are sort of on that path, at least uh, at least in this province? I think many people are on that that path, and I think that, you know, we're reaching this point in our our lives where we're we're feeling overstuffed, right? We're we're feeling like we have too much stuff in our life, too much clutter, and that we're freeing ourselves somewhat from uh, that collection of more and more material objects. Certainly, people are realizing that traditions with with family and and doing things with family and friends is a lot more satisfying than hanging out in the shopping malls on you know December twenty fourth or Boxing Day. Yeah, I uh, I know from my experience, uh, I'm not a big guy when it comes to crowds and. Uh those tend to be some days where there's a lot of big crowds, so I try to avoid them, but sometimes, uh, you know, you just feel the need to, to have to buy something, like we had mentioned, so uh, we go there anyway, and maybe that's uh, not necessarily always the best move when we could potentially be spending more time with those we love instead of spending it uh, in the shopping mall. That's right, and people have fallen into um, a pattern where shopping is a pastime. It's an activity, uh, rather than shopping for what you need. So maybe ch- change the activities and and do some other things. You know, take a walk by a river or a park. You know, enjoy your family and friends. Mm-hmm. I think there's some good advice and yeah, some interesting stats in there to, to pay attention to. And like I said earlier, I think, uh, you know, when people get together tomorrow uh, for Christmas Day, uh, it's a lot easier to, to be aware of just how much waste you're, you're making when you, when you see the evidence right in front of you. So maybe, maybe people will see it tomorrow and, and think about it a little bit more, at least, uh, you know, maybe changing their habits come 2020. Yeah, and certainly that's what we hope that they would do, everyone, right? We can all do better. For sure. And it's a gift to the environment doing better. We all want gifts, but maybe the environment deserves one as well, right? Well, Barb, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And like I said, Merry Christmas to everyone. And and remember to reduce and rejoice. Awesome. That was Barb Hetherington with Zero Waste Canada. Coming up after the break, I'll be checking in on the Village of Chase and be talking with their CAO, so stay tuned. Local News Now, Radio NL, 610 AM and RadioNL.com.
opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back into the Jeff Andreas Show here on Tuesday, December 24th. Thanks so much for joining me. As we approach the new year, we here at NL have been going around the region, talking to some different communities about the year that was, as well as looking at, you know, what those bigger stories were throughout 2019 and then look ahead to 2020. Well, today it is time to take a little bit of a look at the village of Chase, and I'm joined now by its chief administrative officer, Joni Heinrich. Joni, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you very much. So are you all uh, ready for the holidays here or what? You bet. I hope so, because there's not a lot of time left to do that, right? So. <laughs> right. Yeah, you bet, Jeff. Yeah, you don't want to yeah, be one no, of those people all, running around today. That's right. Yeah, no, too much craziness, all, all caught up. Thank yeah. goodness. Good, good. So uh, I wanted to ask about, uh, you know, Canfor selling of its cutting rights. So we had a story this week where uh, B.C. Forest Minister Doug Donaldson says a decision on the proposed $60 million sale of timber cutting rights from Canfor to Innofor could come early in the new year. And under uh, Bill 22, Donaldson does have the ability to approve or reject that sale and says, you know, there's been a lot of feedback from affected communities. So I'm just curious from, uh, you know, you as a CAO of Chase, what kind of feedback have you been providing in this process? Well, we actually have provided quite a lot of feedback. So um, our council met uh, with uh, the minister, Minister Donaldson, at UBCM in September. And uh, after having spoken with uh, with the um, some executives from the Adams Lake Lumber Mill, um, and we we mentioned to the minister at the UBCM meeting that it is very important for our community and for um, neighboring communities in our area to be able to access that that timber. Um, so there are some. There's probably about 50 direct jobs uh, uh, people in. In, who live in Chase, who actually work at that mill. And so there's there's 50 direct jobs affecting the village of Chase itself, um, as well as outlying community areas uh, have um, people employed, obviously, and that affects our local economy. Um, and as well, we get revenue from that mill um, on an annual basis. We get a small amount of taxation revenue from them. So that helps our community be able to do the things that we need to do. And how optimistic are you at this point in time, you know, that uh, your feedback is being heard first and foremost, but also that, you know, this sale could go through and Adams Lake is able to, you know, uh, open operations. I mean, how critical is that and how optimistic are you? Well, it's, um, I'm, I guess we're, we're, we're feeling optimistic because it's, you know, I mean, we're, we're hopeful. Um, we're not, we don't know the outcome, obviously, or what the answer is going to be, but we definitely feel that we have been heard. When we met with the minister in September, he was very um, open to our concerns, and he, you know, he was very, he was very, he, he listened and he understood the issues. Um, and, you know, in, as far as our issues are concerned. So, and of course, he's got other issues that he needs to deal with. But we're feeling optimistic, cautiously, I guess, optimistic. Um, it's not going to affect, I don't think, the immediate um, uh, operations of the mill, but it certainly will have an effect um, over a longer term for their sustainability, which is really, you know, uh, crucial for, for them and for us. Yeah. Is there a way you could sort of put it into perspective, just how critical the operation is to the community? I mean, if, if things weren't to go forward, I mean, is that, uh, is that going to have, uh, you know, any sort of dire impact on, on Chase or, uh, well, I mean, 
Uh, it may not have immediate dire effects, although it may they may end up having, from what we understand, having to reduce, possibly reduce some of the shifts. So that does have an impact on some of our immediate uh, residents who do work there. Um, so that, so um, you know, we'd hate to we'd hate to see. Um, the mill close entirely. We don't think that's going to happen in the very near future, um, but we do understand that you know they have to make sure that they can they can have their own timber or they can have their their product supply so that they can they can um, you know do what they need to do. And of course, if they can't get the product or enough product, then yeah, that that would have impact some impact on some of the shifts that they run. Yeah, uh, and we're looking ahead to early 2020, hopefully to to have an announcement on that, and we'll be hoping for some good news for for your community in that perspective. Um, I also we're did, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Um, I also did. Want want to ask about uh, Highway uh, 1 widening. So it's going to be uh, four-laned, and that was supposed to start in the fall, but yet that work has not started. I mean, what can you tell me about the current situation when looking at four-laning of Highway 1? I mean, are you hopeful that work will begin in 2020 after it was sort of postponed here in 2019? Yeah, we are hopeful. Um, we we have been meeting um, on a fairly regular basis with, basis with the ministry staff, and they are assuring us, and they've, you know, basically we shared with shared some information about some of the things that they're doing to keep the project moving forward. Um, they've got uh, hydro working on uh, realigning some electrical servicing, and they've got they've done some a lot of the survey work, and they've done some archaeological work, and and they've done a bunch of brushing and preparing. So they're they're doing they're they're definite. They are very hopeful, and which. They've shared with us that <coughs> things will move forward in 2020. And so we're just hoping that that will be the case. Yeah, I'll get you out of here on this because we got about a minute left, Joni. But just how important is that work um, to your community? I mean, we're talking about widening a highway. It doesn't seem like necessarily like just saying it out loud that it would have a significant impact, but I think it probably does. So can you just sort of um, uh, demonstrate just how significant of an impact uh, a wider highway could actually have for, for your community? Well, it will have a very big uh, impact on us because of the the ease from ease by which uh, people can travel between Kamloops and Chase, for instance. And so we can we can promote our community as a place where people could live and safely travel, commute to work in Kamloops, or vice versa. Uh, but we but for now, we're really we want to focus on attracting more people to live in Chase, and we have had quite a bit of interest in residential development since some of the highway upgrades have taken place, so we do know that that will just fuel more interest in our community. Right on. Well, it sounds like some uh, good news potentially coming in 2020, so there might be some good New Year's presents coming your way, so hopefully that well, happens, we and uh, so. yes. yeah, we'll Thank be paying you. close attention for sure. Thanks so much for doing this, Joni. I really appreciate it. Thank you, and have a great holiday. You as well. That was the CAO for the Village of Chase, Joni Heinrich. Coming up, I'll be speaking with Dave Earl, the president of the BC Truckers Association, about highway maintenance and chain-up regulations, so stick around. You're listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. 
Welcome back in here on Christmas Eve. Yes, it is Tuesday, December the 24th. Thanks so much for tuning in. Forecasters say that that wicked storm late last week and into the weekend produced all-time records for snowfall for southern interior mountain passes. Environment Canada says the storm that started Thursday night dropped 97 centimeters of snow on the Coquihalla Summit and 103 centimeters at the Allison Pass in just under 48 hours. And, of course, that has had an impact on those who would have been traveling on those roads, which does, of course, include truckers. I'm joined now by the president of the BC Truckers Association, Dave Earle. Dave, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, what can you tell me about this uh, highway work that we saw? I mean, uh, you know, there was a new maintenance contractor that uh, started here this year um, and, you know, record snowfall here just a couple of days ago. So, uh, what kind of feedback did you get or what did you see from your perspective as, a, you know, being the BC Trucking Association president? How, how, was, how was the work done? Was it a pretty swift cleanup? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, really, really good to see. Uh, the Ministry of Transportation restructured how they actually interacted with contractors over the past couple of years and have new service providers in a bunch of districts around the province, and uh, we're, we're really quite pleased. Um, when you look at how much snow came down, how quickly it came down, and how the contractor was able to respond and manage it, um, I don't know uh, that it could have been handled uh, much better, honestly. Um, it's just a phenomenal amount of snow. Did you hear of any significant issues from people? Was there, a, you know, a, at all a problem? I mean, when you're talking about those kinds of accumulations, uh, you know, it's pretty difficult to uh, maneuver, I would think, sometimes because it is coming down in quite a short period of time and you can't just clean it up instantly. So, uh, you know, did you hear of any significant issues when it comes to uh, those who are driving through the province? You know, not. It was really interesting. Significant in terms of the big of the impact, sure, because I mean there were delays, there were closures, um, but the really big long-term stuff, no, and the really serious problems, no. And, and I think there's a few reasons for that. Uh, one of it is the, the really good work that the contractor did and the, and the different approach the ministry has taken to that whole issue. Um, the other part of it is we knew it was coming, uh, and the other part was it didn't. Uh, when we see a lot of problems, is when you see um, that freeze and thaw cycle move up and down the mountain. Uh, you know, so you get that really bad packed glare ice on one part of the mountain. Uh, the cold air drops, it freezes it, then it moves up and it starts to half melt, then it freezes it again. We didn't see that. It was a pretty stat, you know, static, uh, just one heck of a snowstorm, but uh, we didn't see that freeze-thaw cycle that, uh, that can cause so much havoc on the highway. Yeah, and I guess, uh, you know, when we're looking at uh, passes like, uh, you know, with lots of hills and stuff, when you're talking a freeze-thaw, I mean, I guess some of that would start traveling down some, some mountain passes, down some hilly uh, roads, and that could, um, you know, I guess make it really difficult when you're talking about braking or accelerating uphill passes. I assume that, uh, you know, that can, that, that's what you're talking about, right, is that yep. the, those big uh, inclines? That's exactly it. And I mean, it's just that, that whole issue of safety and being able to control the vehicle, both moving it up the hill and controlling it coming down. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's one of the primary issues. And uh, we're just really happy that uh, this time it seems that the, uh, the contractor was really able to manage the, the snow event, as, as they call it, and uh, that we didn't see um, you know, really huge disruptions. Yeah, and you said one of the big reasons, I guess, it didn't uh, have a, a huge, you know, negative impact was the fact that you guys saw it coming. So uh, a lot of people were able to prepare ahead of time for the fact that, you know, the snow was likely going to happen. Um, I guess, how, how difficult is it when things do come out of the blue? I mean, what kind of changes does that do when you are a driver? How does that change your mindset when something just comes that you weren't expecting? 
Oh, it, it's incredibly you know frustrating and you know and shocking, frankly, sometimes. Um, and we've all seen it where you get a you know a forecast for snow and it calls for 15 centimeters and you get five or you get 30. Um, you know, and that's why that weather forecast is so important, so you can plan. Uh, you know, drivers will often change their timing, change their rest cycles, change their brakes. Um, you know, carriers are able and dispatchers are able to work with customers to alert them to say, let's expect some disruption to the supply chain. Um, let's change our scheduling. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things that can be done when we know what's coming. Um, sometimes you can't move everything around. You simply, the, the goods still have to move. Um, but it sure does give us a lot more ability to be more flexible and compliant and trying to find a way through safely. Um, here with BC Truckers Association President Dave Earl. Uh, also curious too, just because we are coming up, obviously tomorrow is uh, Christmas. Um, uh, hopefully too many people aren't stuck working, but uh, is it a lot easier for people to get around on a day like Christmas when there tends to be fewer cars on the road? Uh, yeah, it, it certainly is. I mean, it's one of the days that uh, that you look at. I mean, particularly when uh, when you and I are driving around on our personal uh, errands or business tomorrow, um, it's a remarkably late day. The same's on the highways. Um, you know, it certainly is. But uh, of course, it is the middle of winter, and uh, it's always you know safety being the number one concern of everybody operating a commercial vehicle. Um, they're watching that road forecast. They're watching the road conditions. They're looking at Drive BC, and they're trying to make sure they get where they're going safely. Right on. Um, shifting topics here a little bit, because uh, last time I think I had you on, it was right around this October 1st uh, uh, time frame here that I'm going to be talking about. I can't remember if it was before or slightly after, but it was right around uh, the beginning of October when uh, truck drivers traveling here in BC would begin to start facing stiffer fines if they did not chain up their tires. Um, so I'm just curious. I mean, we saw those fines increase come October 1. Has that had any sort of impact on uh, you know people's uh, willingness to comply with chain-up regulations? Have you noticed any difference? Haven't seen any difference really, and I don't have data from CVSE, uh, but what we do know, and what, well, anecdotally anyway, is we haven't seen the big disruptions that we saw, uh, you know, two or three winters ago. Uh, the ministry brought in new regulations, very prescriptive regulations last year. They didn't have the fine structure to go with it, but they brought it in about, uh, about December of last year uh, and really worked with industry and drivers on the mountain passes, uh, doing a lot of outreach and education and explaining exactly what they have to do to be able to operate safely. Um, you know, so that took uh, a period of time and they were very good about working with the industry over the last year. Uh, and now, frankly, it's time for enforcement. You know, and uh, we haven't seen data yet, but I don't have uh, any anecdotal stories uh, that there's significant problems. So uh, we're certainly hopeful that uh, everybody on the, the roads has gotten the message. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, about December of last year. So it's been about a year where you've had some time to kind of prepare. Um, I guess, you, have you heard of any truckers who might be surprised when they come through the province about some of the regulations and, and the changes that have been made? Or is, you know, the industry pretty well aware of what's going on? There's always one or two. You know, I, I did hear one individual last year who was up from the, the southern United States. This is his first run through the mountains, and uh, you know, he was convinced that it wouldn't be a problem until it was a problem for him. Um, there's always one or two. You know, and those are the ones that uh, that you you look at and you worry about. But uh, you know, honestly, we can deal with one or two. It's ten or twenty that uh, you know gets to be a problem, and uh, they start rolling the odds, and it just doesn't work. So, um, you know, there is a very sophisticated system to make sure that the circulars and bulletins that various ministries and similar regulatory agencies around the continent use to make sure that it gets out to the carriers. Um, it's part of every driver's route planning to understand what they're getting into. Um, but inevitably, every year, 
there's always one or two. Yeah, and and it's always the one or two that we end up talking about on on programs like this one here, right? It's uh, absolutely <laughs> the absolutely. bad ones make the most interesting stories. The good ones are boring, right? Absolutely, you know, and it's uh, it's the story with everything in life, unfortunately. But uh, you know, you do get them, and they just honestly don't know. Thankfully, that's pretty rare. Most of the the, the drivers that are doing long runs uh, into northern areas or even into mountainous areas uh, do understand to some degree what they're getting into. So uh, it's it's uh, becoming. I hope uh, less and less common that uh, we have these types of issues. Yeah, I hope so as well for the safety of those driving and not only the truckers, but others on the road as well. We all want to stay safe and get to our destination. So uh, thanks so much for doing this, Dave. I really appreciate you taking the time. Anytime at all. Anytime. Thank you very much and uh, have a Merry Christmas. You as well. Thanks again. That was the president of the BC Truckers Association, Dave Earl. Yeah, so uh, definitely some interesting stuff there. Um, You know, as we move forward into winter, there's going to be more snow incidents uh, that occur. And and of course, that of course means, uh, you know, more chain up that need to take place and and just more safety precautions that need to be uh, heralded to as a result. So hopefully everyone can stay safe out on the roads there today as you're traveling to wherever you might be going for uh, your Christmas celebrations. Coming up after the break, are you planning to host a get-together tomorrow? Are you planning to visit someone's home for the holidays? How can you go about saving on that electricity bill? Well, I'll be speaking with BC Hydro after this. Radio NL, 610 AM and RadioNL.com. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome back to the show here on Christmas Eve. Yes, December 24th. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Of course, we are getting set for tomorrow. It is Christmas Day and many are getting set to either play host, whether you're having some family and friends over for dinner or in the morning to open presents or just come and have a drink and have some coffee. Whatever the case may be, there is always a chance that more electricity is going to be used when you welcome more people into your home. Here now to help you save a few dollars tomorrow is BC Hydro's Susie Reader. Susie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. So let's just talk about Christmas Day itself. I mean, uh, you guys have done some research here looking back to uh, Christmas Day on 2018 and uh, comparing it to a normal a normal day uh, throughout the winter, I guess. So what, what are the differences in the hydro use on Christmas Day? Just how much more power are we as British Columbians using on Christmas Day? Well, last year we saw a 15% increase in the amount of electricity used in homes in BC compared to the same day a week prior. And we also saw similar numbers in 2016 and 2017. It ranged from about a 15 to 20% increase overall. So, uh, and that peaks about midday. So by about 1 p.m., uh, British Columbians had used about 8,000 megawatt hours more electricity than they did on the same day the previous week. So. Just to put this in perspective, because (laughs) not everyone knows what a megawatt hour is, Uh, that's about the equivalent of cooking 1.5 million turkeys, so so that's a lot. And when you talk about the fact that it kind of starts to spike at around 1 o'clock, you know, I can kind of start uh, connecting the dots, if you will, about sort of what is happening around that time that might start to see that rise in electricity rates. But uh, maybe just for those who uh, who haven't crossed those T's yet, I mean, what, what are some of the factors that are leading to that increase in, in hydro use? Well, it seems the biggest factor is cooking, uh, hosting in general, but mostly cooking. 
Um, we found 95% of British Columbians that plan to have family and friends over are going to make meals from scratch. And about 60% plan to bake their own holiday treats instead of buying them. And uh, only 13% of people said that they serve their guests takeout. And when you think about the fact that we sort of live in this on-demand world where uh, you can order food via apps, uh, it was it was a little bit surprising to tell you the truth um, that only thirteen uh, percent were gonna you know go to let's say a supermarket and pick up a ready made meal or or order something uh, from one of these apps or um, yeah so it just it goes to show that British Columbians are really in sort of a like DIY mood for for the holiday season. And uh, I'm curious to know, because uh, you're looking at 2018 data, so we're talking about uh, Christmas fell on, I believe it was a Tuesday last year. So when you're comparing, I guess, just a, an average Tuesday to a Christmas Tuesday, I mean, that makes sense why there might be a, a bigger discrepancy, I guess. Can you, can you compare it at all to uh, maybe a regular Saturday in the winter? Do we have any idea of maybe what the difference might be from that perspective? Yeah, so it's still around the same. It's still about a 15% increase. And um, we did look at 2016 and 2017 as well to make sure that the usage story uh, remained the same. And uh, in, 20, in, in 2017, it was about a 20% uh, uh, increase and so that was that was even bigger and uh, in 2016 it was very similar and so we do factor in things like weather and and uh, even last year there there was the storm so we had to factor that in as well and um, there was that big windstorm and some outages in 2018 and uh, consumption still still went up as well so uh, people are just preparing food they're having guests in their home and um, they're using more lights and electronics and and that's uh, that's all adding to to this increase do you find this at all i mean this is sort of anecdotal i guess but just do you find any of this a little bit surprising not that people are using more because that doesn't surprise me at all if you are the host of of you know your your christmas get together or whatever holiday you're celebrating and you're having all these people over of course you're going to use a little bit more electricity that just makes sense but um you know a lot of those people are coming from from homes where now maybe they aren't using any electricity because they are uh paying someone a visit so i mean that doesn't seem to, to even out at all right i mean it seems like uh, there is an increase, and, and despite the fact that maybe there are a few more emptier homes on Christmas Day, that doesn't necessarily reduce the amount of electricity they're using. Yeah, it seems to it seems to even out. Can you imagine if absolutely everyone hosted someone? <laughs> no, um, I could it, not. It would be it would be double double the usage probably. One of the things I did really find surprising about the report is uh, how many people who are guests in other others' homes are conscious of their electricity use. Um, so, eighty percent of British Columbians that plan to stay with family and friends over the holidays, so are there going to be house guests? Said that they're going to be taking extra steps to limit their electricity use, such as you know turning off lights and turning down the heat when they're in someone else's home so um it, it, people are mindful of uh the electricity bills of others and i thought that was a nice heartwarming christmas <laughs> christmas uh anecdote that w that we're so um mindful of that in other people's homes and uh, most people actually said that they're great house guests so uh we asked british columbians how, how would you describe yourself as a house guest and almost 60 percent said they're very helpful uh they like to help their host cook and clean and only about three uh, percent of british columbians said they feel that their host should cater to them as a guest and another thing that was surprising is how offline people claim to be when they're visiting family and friends um only four percent said that they are easily distracted and go on their phone um, a lot while visiting. So 
even though, you know, we live in this on-demand world where we can order things and we're constantly on our phones and watching TV, it seems when we uh, go to someone's house over the holidays, we're really focused on just being present and having a traditional over um, a technology-driven holiday. Well, that is definitely uh, refreshing to hear that people, uh, you know, are, are, are conscious of, of the fact that they should be paying more attention when they are around people. And, you know, it's a one-day-a-year holiday, so it's uh, not a, not every day that you get to spend time with family or friends like you do on Christmas Day. And, um, you know, it's good that they are, in fact, actually paying attention to the company that they're with. Although I do think, uh, you know, you did have 3% say they were a little bit more entitled when they are aware uh, or at someone's home. Um, I feel like that number is probably higher, and, and we just have 3% of people that are very honest here. But uh, <laughs> Maybe. You, <laughs> ne- you never know. <laughs> um, how, how can people go about, I guess, uh, saving a little bit more? Do you have any tips or tricks for people who are uh, you know, hosting a, a large group and, and maybe want to save a, a few more dollars? Is there anything in particular that uh, they can be aware of in order to do that? Because uh, it's not an easy thing when you do have a, a whole bunch of people running around your house. No, absolutely. Uh, So one of the easiest things you can do if you have people over is to lower the temperature. So uh, keep it at about 18 degrees Celsius. Uh, That'll make sure your guests are comfortable, but also keep your heating costs to a minimum because heating can account for up to 50% of your bill in the wintertime. Also, uh, decorating with LEDs. we had many British Columbians say that when people are coming over, they add to their decorations, so they put up more lights and more decorations, and um, you, they're 75% more effective than incandescents, and they last 10 times longer, so you're going to save a lot of money there. Another just little simple things you can do, uh, baking in batches, that saves a lot of energy, so bake as many holiday treats as you can at once. 60% of British Columbians said they're going to do their own baking, so that can really add up in terms of power use. And also, it's, it's tough, but avoid peeking into the oven <laughs> and opening it and letting, uh, letting heat escape because then it'll have to reheat. Um, so just try to use your oven light and look in that way. And also use tightly fitted lids on pots and pans to keep the heat in. So just, just some little tips and tricks. And, um, you know, if you just implement them all, it will add up to some savings for you. Yeah, definitely some some good advice right there. Not something you necessarily think of. I know I always uh, uh, I try to turn on the light in my oven and look in, and then I find a you know it's not a good enough view, so I end up opening it anyway. So uh, people shouldn't do that. Uh, it's cooking in there. We we can assure you that much. All right, you need Susie. an oven cam. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> go. There's a new invention that we need. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about all I had for questions for you here, Susie. Anything else that you think people should know when they're getting ready for this holiday season? Yeah, you can track your electricity use and look for places where you can make improvements um, uh, with My Hydro, and you can download the app or you can uh, go online at bchydro.com. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I think it's a good message for those who are uh, maybe handing out some ugly Christmas sweaters for Christmas. They can put those on and turn the heat down so they can stay warm. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thanks so much, Susie. Appreciate your time. Okay, no problem. That was Susie Reeder with BC Hydro. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me here for a short while or a long while, just know that I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I will be back here on Friday at 9. Have yourself a safe and happy holiday. And please, don't be a Grinch. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel You're as cuddly as a cactus You're as charming as an eel Mr. Grinch You're a bad banana with a 
greasy black peel. 